Content was done. <laughs> I think I didn't cut it off at the right time. But hey, everybody, Jews, uh, this is uh, episode 34 of One of a Kind with RVD. I mean, do I have to say it again? But I mean, guess who's here? Who's here? Who's here? It's RVD and it's RVD. How about that? Oh, look how cute she is. Oh. She's not very photogenic because the black face doesn't show up in, in photos very good. But it could be. Tough. How old is Barbie now? She's three. That's it. Wow. Wow. Hello, Barbie showed up. Man, that song was kicking. Katie's in, Katie's in the other room, and she said the same thing. She's yeah. Like, oh, how about that? Well, credit to uh, VBDC Venus Beach. He's a big fan. He it. reached out to me. Uh, he's he's been a fan of the super chat too, and so like uh, very supportive and everything. So thank. He, he did all. He did an instrumental version too, so I can send you both files. But yeah, we're gonna try to use that for a countdown in our outro music. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize. Uh, wasn't really paying that much attention to the lyrics until I heard one of a kind, and then tuned in, and it was like, oh shit, this is like, this shit was written for me. Yeah, he did. He did it specifically awesome. for you. So he he made the offer, and I was like, heck yeah, give it. A, let's give it a whirl. So yeah, yeah. that was rocking. I could. Yeah. Uh, I can listen to that. It made me feel like I was in Jamaica relaxing. Right, right. A little good vibe having having it there. On a catamaran with the High Times magazine crew. (laughs) There you go, right? (laughs) Well, how was uh, your New Year's and a.k.a. Katie's uh, birthday? Um, It was good. It was good. Uh, Yeah, I feel like I talked to you since then, but I guess I texted, but we didn't talk about it. Mm. Um. I guess that was Christmas Eve. Yeah. Same same stuff. It all runs together. But uh um good though. Good. We ended up uh not traveling anywhere, which Katie always goes and sees her family for the holidays and her nieces and nephews and sisters and parents and everybody. So uh her staying home this time was kinda like a kinda like a, a big deal uh for her to be away from the family. But, um, you know, I remember when I was like 20 and that happened to me when I went down to Tampa, I went down to Tampa in 90 or was it, it was a 91. So I was 20. Yeah. Right before my 21st birthday. And, um, that was going to be the first time I was away from my parents and, uh, first, first time really. And I was, I was like, Oh, like emotional about it. And, uh, Rod Slanker was like, well, let me uh, get a hold of uh, Pat Tanaka, see if he's got a frequent flyer miles and stuff, because he was working for WWE, you know? And, yeah. And uh, anyway, I remember all the other wrestlers saying, well, you know, that's part of the business. You know, you, you know, a lot of times you, uh, you'll find, you know, you're on the road and working with other people doing holidays. And, you know, this business isn't for you if you're not, if you can handle it. And, and um, I ended up, uh, I ended up, uh, I don't know how, who, Oh, I do know who paid. It was the girl that I was seeing at the time paid to fly me there. And 
And then when I was there, another girl from Deja Vu paid me in another way. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob, when you first moved down to Tampa, who did you kind of uh, really bond with over like re wrestling wise? Like when it came to like, did you make a pretty good connection starting off and form a friendship that kind of gave you incentive to stay a little bit more and not be as homesick a little bit, maybe? Um, I guess I had the the drive um, to get me through most of that, and except for when you know guys are giving me a hard time or something for being a young prima donna and it making me second guess all my life decisions up till that point. You know that would happen. But uh, when I first got down there, you know I was living with uh, in the house with uh, Ron Slinker, who was the promoter, but also Tex Slasinger. Dennis Knight, who yeah, is Midian. Uh, Midian, yeah, same guy, because that was Ron's uh, son-in-law. He was dating or married to, I guess, married to Dennis's wife, and so, um, so you know, he. I feel like he was part of that um, that era, but also like as far as like going to the wrestling schools and training and going to the gyms with the guys and bonding in that way like uh like you like you tend to do um it was uh it was jim Steele, who uh, had i guess he's done now but he had a career for a while he was uh jim jim roach uh, also jungle jim Steele, in all japan he was maybe called thunder wolf or something some kind of a wolf um but he was in wcw with jungle jim Steele, and he was I got him in the uh, Super Fights movie with me, so he's in that too. And he was a big, jacked-up um, bodybuilder dude and uh, really nice guy, Jim Steele. And also Kenny Kendall, who, mm, uh, same thing, you know, he had a little career on TV for a minute, um, and then he was kind of out of the business too. But um, these guys, seems like, like me, we were all like kind of like just starting out. Had been working a year or two and trying to build our name and 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 you know listen to the right advice uh, and all that. So those guys were down there and uh, on the on the veteran side was like uh, Pat Tanaka, Jimmy Backlund, um, the um, the Wrecking Crew, but that was before they were the Wrecking Crew. Al Green and uh, Mark Laurinaitis. Johnny's brother, oh. they were a big part of that. Like I wrestled them a lot of times and uh, they were a little more experienced than me. So they tried to, so it felt like they were trying to hold me down, you know, um, humble me at that time. And um, there was uh, there was Mark Starr who I've done an RVDology about before. And there was um, J uh, Lightning Foot Jerry Flynn, who I wrestled quite a bit. Not Jerry Lynn, but uh, this dude had really stiff kicks, heavy boots. And uh, I used to feel like, wow, just because I'm a martial artist, I think this would be a good matchup. I hate working with this guy. But not always. And he was a nice guy. It's just that he was... Uh, it's just that he was like uh, so stiff. He wrestled for a, a Japan company where they just beat the shit out of each other, and uh, you know that was that was the way I was learning. So uh, those, uh, I guess, those would be enough names to mention for now. Well, you know that's funny. Like Jerry Flynn, I remember him 
when I was uh, watching WCW, like in the late nineties and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the enhancement guys that they would they would trot out there and stuff like that. But yeah, he was known for his kicks. <laughs> How about that? Stiff, stiff kicks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Kind of, yeah, uh, Midian. Uh, we had him on Road Dog, uh, you know, last year at some point. And he's a character man. Like he's got. Uh, he was very funny. It's like one of our most popular episodes. Um, and then like he's a big dude too, like deceptively big dude. So. Uh, yeah. So I met him in. Uh, uh 91 in uh uswa wow when i was working for the jarrett's and uh, that's where i met him and uh his stepdad had come up to memphis from tampa to uh to check him out i guess and maybe do a little business or whatever and that's where rod slinker saw me and said hey you're gonna be world champion here's my number give me a call i'm opening up uh uh territory in florida so overall how'd you like the territory the ron slinker territory and everything was it you think it was just a good like kind of baptism by fire kind of aspect of it all or uh what do you mean like just kind of as for a learning experience like a first start kind of thing was tampa do you feel it was a pretty good area for you to kind of get your start in i do think so because uh i guess you know i mean now there's a lot of areas but back then it wasn't as easy to find wrestling schools or uh training camps or even to get inside the business you know back then so yeah you know there was we wrestled with the world famous tampa sportatorium that um eddie graham used to run and had a lot of history with it that was cool um but I mean, there was some drama as far as the actual promotion goes itself, and I've, I've talked a little bit about that um, in in public forums. Uh, I don't know how much though, but I had to grow up pretty quick. Let me tell you that. Like I ran into ran into some stuff I didn't understand at that age, and uh, ended up at, talking to some other adults about what was going on, looking for advice thereby opening up my mouth about what's going on inside a house and getting reprimanded for that, you know, for spreading someone else's privacy, which I did, but I had the best interest trying to, I felt like, like there was, like it was, there was a dangerous situation. And anyway, um, that's always going to encompass a lot of my feelings about that time and about Ron Slinker. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you have those outside elements kind of coming into play, too, that, that definitely would play a factor in how you feel about it. He would have uh, flashbacks like he was in the war and be running around, diving into the couch, freaking me out when I'm the only one home with him. And I'm just, you know, about to be 21 years old and uh, just really not that experience you know it's, i didn't grow up in new york city i grew up in fucking battle creek so was, i was still a kid till i was in my 40s like i always say but at that point uh the, the, this was something i was not prepared for i hadn't seen drug use to recognize it and didn't know what the fuck was going on but thought at some points that either somebody else or myself might die so yeah. that was pretty intense yeah Ooh, that's definitely baptism by fire when it comes to that thing like geez oh man um 
Well, how about USWA working with the Jarrett's and stuff like that? Your, your like uh, relationship with Jerry early on and, and Double J, Jeff, and yeah, had, had some interactions. Yeah, so it's because we were the Sheik's boys, you know, we um, had a lot of leverage. You know, we were looked at with respect because the Sheik trained us and, uh, and the Sheik booked us down there with Jerry Lawler. So um, they gave us a, a pretty good shot to get in and show what we could do, which we did. We were very green, especially me and Dango, because uh, this is the summer of 91. And if I remember right, I'd, I'd been wrestling about a year and had about 12 matches before I went to USWA. So um, very green, had a lot to learn, but obviously showed enough talent to impress uh, some people. One thing that really sticks out, it was so old school there. And since it was the last surviving territory, all the people that frequented these shows were still old school. And so Fabe was still um, the, the ruling factor of the business. And I traveled with three heels when, when it was Sabu and Dango and Judge Dredd it would be uh, three heels. Sometimes either Dango or Judge Dredd wouldn't be there, but because um, when we do a loop, we'd go back home every time, and then sometimes not the full crew would make it back, but it only lasted like five weeks or so before they ran out of uh, stuff for us, as they, as they put it. But um, traveling with the heels, you know, it was bad because I was just a young kid, not even old enough to drink. And when we would go to, like, to the restaurant, I would have to try to sit, like, not by them. But I had to learn that, you know? I mean, Sheik taught us, but we still didn't know how practical it was. Some of the stuff you listen to, and you say, oh, sure, you know, sure, it's illegal. Uh, you have to stop when you're leaving a parking lot and use your turn signal before you enter a roadway from a parking lot. Who the fuck does that? You're so <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, okay. But anyway, people would recognize us, then I would feel like, fuck, you know, like we're hurting the business down here. And Sabu would say, that's called killing the business. That's what we're doing, like, fuck, fuck. And I remember one time, so they would drop me off a couple blocks before the arena, and then I would walk uh, the rest of the way in, uh, um, at, at towns where you had to go by the people, which were, some of them. Evansville, Indiana was like that. One time in Evansville, we were out in the yard of the arena somewhere playing Frisbee. I was throwing it. Sabu was throwing it. I'm not sure who else, but Jerry Jarrett said, Rob, you're a baby. And that became like a, a big inside joke still to this day. Sabu will, will pop at that because uh, we thought it was funny, but I was being scolded, obviously, for being a baby face and, and working with heels when they're trying to make money off of this fucking angle and us working together. So um, I, I learned, you know, early on what is, like, the standard for the business now, which is just to kill it, fuck it, um, you know, expose expose it, make it, make it less than it was. Nowadays, the business isn't about kayfabe anymore is the point that I'm trying to make, but it was back then, so you got to kind of put yourself in that perspective and that state of mind to, to appreciate uh, me being reprimanded by the promoter when I'm just 20 years old and being a dumbass. 
Well, um, when it comes to that kind of thing, like, you know, like kind of like not keeping kayfabe anymore, do you kind of wish, I know the old skin mentality kind of would be like, yeah, I wish that would, would be a, still a part of the business. Do you think it would work today? And if you, tri- if everybody adhered to that kind of mentality for the most part, do you think it could still work in today's realm of wrestling and how accessible it is? I'm not the same way. I don't, you know, it's been exposed so, so long ago. And uh, now that we have MMA, we have something to compare it to. Um, And because of those reasons and just evolution, people evolving fans, um, we could never go back in time and we couldn't still be um, passing off the the same agenda necessarily but there is still um, a lot of hidden kayfabe where the fans think they know stuff but they really don't without getting into and without getting into too much detail here let's just say somebody's reputation came in question recently in the media and the news how many people were shocked about it? How many people really weren't? That kind of stuff. There's a lot of know-how that people just really don't know. And for that, I'm, I'm glad. You know, when it comes to old school kayfabe, I just wish people could be in the mindset when they were in the ring, you know, because because they're not, and it takes away from it. It takes away from the moment. It takes away from the misdirection, which takes away from people involving their emotion into it. So it's changed, and I think change is probably necessary you know so uh it, so it is what it is and, and but you know nowadays the, the talent the uh, athleticism whatever uh that the wrestlers are showing with all of their their high spots and stuff there's the, the they miss like the little thing like misdirection like you know like i want someone to think that I'm actually going to get here. So I wait till the very, very last second, boom, and then just fucking move out of the way. That's exciting, you know? Yeah. And you lose that when you're not even thinking that you're in the moment of competition, but instead, like, you're going through uh, the motions of something that you've already completely visualized all, all the way through or has been directed towards you or however you got that action sequence um it's different now because of the lack of kayfabe well something too i really keep in mind now when i watch go back and watch your matches like before you know once we talk about them or before we talk about them is like that the little things that you would do and how you would kind of react to things and even that match where you and um kane were tagging against lod like it was that last minute you waited till the very last minute to duck hawk's doomsday device and like I, I had to actually go back and watch it because I was like, was that a botch? Did Hawk like fall too soon or something it's, like that? But- it's not as exciting uh, when everyone's playing it too safe, you know? Right. Yeah. So the whole agenda is off because for them, it's more important about getting those spots in and over than it is about you know the whole vibe of the match the competition what it was so we weren't allowed to get those spots and set them up and stuff back with the day of the chic uh we could only get in uh and put in what we were able to sneak in you know what i mean so you know and i've always used this as an example if i'm going to give you a leg drop 
or I'm going to jump up and do a 360 and then hit you with a leg drop. You don't need to know. Your part is you're getting leg dropped across your throat or your chest or your face. Um, and then, uh, but that's, that's the way that I got brought up you know there was never during my training i could never say i'm gonna set you on the top rope i'm gonna walk over here and grab a table he'd say well what are you doing on the top rope get off get the fuck off of it. why are you waiting for him you know that's that's the way that i would have uh um had to be quick enough or else it doesn't work right right there and i think that's a great way to put how kayfabe can kind of still hold together is if you're in the venue in the in your match and you're on like you come out there that's when you should kind of adhere to kayfabe and so much of that does get lost it's like if i was on stage doing a play and i had some lines to deliver or something like that and then like somebody else is delivering lines and i kind of just kind of like break character just by my body language people are going to notice that you know yeah, yeah so a side effect of me being the way that i am is that because i'm so committed i hurt people out of the ring a lot because you know when i'm showing them what to do i'm, just, I'm committed with it and i can think of so many examples but i actually got kicked out of the wild dressing room um <laughs> wasn't really uh, invited there anymore katie was having a match with um the girl's name is uh, barbie Barbie, um, I can't remember her last name right now. Really nice girl. And, and anyway, uh, her and Katie were feeling each other out in the dressing room. And they wanted to see, uh, Katie didn't really know, or, or whatever the deal was, but Katie was uh, going to have her foot on the back of Barbie's leg. And you know how they raise the, the leg up and bam, and you, and you stomp their knee into the ground. Yeah. And I just, I just went to show Katie how to do that. And not even thinking while I'm talking to her, I'm just like, boom, get it, you know, boom, like put it up high as you, you know, high as you can, wham. And when I did it, she actually had to go to the hospital afterwards. And like, it was like, uh, she was, she was messed up for a little while. She still had the match. Um, but I actually uh, caused a little damage. I felt so bad, but um, that's how I am when I'm in the ring training or practicing with anybody. I'm just so committed to, and, and I feel it so much that, that I'm all in and, um, and end up, you know, um, hurting a lot of people. Is that Barbie Hayden? Is that her name? Yes. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. Sweet yeah. girl. No. Yeah. Sweet Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's um, yeah, like you said though, like you, you were trained a certain way too, and we talked about it last week. You and she, like, she was just really committed, and you guys laying it in and, and being stiff and making it look real. So, I mean, that's hey, if I'm just you know if I'm showing how to do a clothesline, you know, I just I mean if I feel it, it's you know boom, you go, bam, you know fucking drive through there, and I'm gonna show you you know what I want to see or what I'm visualizing, and it's gonna be snug because my wrestling is snug. You know, but um, but yeah, I don't turn it off as much if I'm whenever I'm walking through something. My walk is a bit of a uh, is a bit of a um, a speed walk or a shuffle. <laughs> Maybe not quite a sprint, but it's at least my walk is a jog, <laughs> a light jog, something in between, something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, funny you we talk about this because uh, somebody was talking about we talked about Bret Hart a couple weeks ago. And a comment somebody made is, I understand RVD being humble, but you talking about Bret Hart. You were concerned about like how Bret would maybe feel about it. I remember. And he said, I understand RVD being humble, but he literally wrestled like the young Shawn Michaels, just more acrobatic. De Bret could definitely work with that. Somebody else also said that like 
Brett was also like Kevin Nash, and I think a couple other people will say like Brett could work stiff too. So maybe you guys would pretty mesh up pretty well, you know. Well, I have no question that Brett was, uh, uh, you know, he's the best there was, best there ever will be, best there is, all that. So not necessarily in that order, but <laughs> he, he, uh, I'm sure, you know, he would have a great match with a broomstick as they say. So I, I really don't question that, but, uh, yeah, just like I said before, you know, I'm, I'm a little snug and I might, I, I hope I wouldn't disappoint him, but it would be an honor. I don't think you would because you know what? Like Kurt Angle keeps saying how much he loved working with you too. And they always talk about that dream match, Kurt Angle versus Bret Hart. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, think, I think he'd be all right, you know. Let's book it. <laughs> okay, let's book it. Okay, we got it marked down. I'll take hey, it up. <laughs> we got, <laughs> excuse me, we got a super chat here. <coughs> you to Super Friday, Super Friday. What a what a name to have yeah. on Thursday, Rob. Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paperboy, the evening TV. You've just been full housed. So he just did the full house theme song to us. I got <laughs> full house. I got Rick rolled. You got what? I've got Rick rolled. You know that when that happens, they're never going to give you up. Okay. That's, yeah, that's being Rick rolled. Okay, I didn't know you that. Just got loused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that was a fine uh, five dollars there, Super Friday. Thank you for that. <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. So what are those twins doing now? Because they were looking cute, right? Oh, the Olsen twins. Are they billionaires? Oh, I think that yeah, they're definitely loaded. You know what I mean? Uh, Mary Kate and Ashley. I don't know what they're doing. Mary Kate and Ashley. What's that for him, baby? <laughs> oh, Con uh, Kanye West song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know that was about them until just now. Yeah, no, I I actually forgot about them too, and I forgot they were they were twins. So, but not me, man. I had my eye on them. <laughs> <laughs> Happy so birthday, Katie. Belated. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> we got over a hundred people here on the on the live chat. So guys, cool. if you want happy to Thursday, time happy Thursday, everyone. Yeah, happy Thursday. If you guys want to weigh in, feel free to use the super chat, ask a question, and we'll be sure to get to it. Uh, that's the name of the game here. And uh, but yeah, we got some we got some stuff to talk about today. Uh, Rob, did you happen to hear that Samoa Joe is the new AEW world champion? No, that's so funny. I heard, I read somewhere that he got fired, and then I read or heard that he was the Ring of Honor champion, and now I'm now I'm hearing that he's the AEW champion. So that's pretty funny. I, I guess my uh, my earlier uh, news bits were probably mistaken, or, or did that, all of that happen? Well, kind of in a way, because he got released from WWE, and then he came to. AEW. Not this week, right? He's been at AEW. Oh, right? yeah, he's been at AEW. So, and he's been there for, I think, oh, well over a year at this point. And then oh, he yeah. won the ROH t television title there. So. I saw him when I was there. Right? Yeah, I did. Oh, did you? Okay. And then he, yeah, and then just this past, uh, I guess it was Saturday, that he won the world title against MJF. Choked him out. Choked you him can out. see footage of me and Samoa Joe uh, rolling on the mat, you know, uh, shoot style on our old RVD TV episode. Oh, really? The link right here, Chris, YouTube, Chris. <laughs> no, I'll, we'll I'll put it up. Tra training at LA Boxing. I shot a few episodes there training with um, uh, my old friend, Justin McCauley, and through him, I met Samoa Joe like way back in the day, and uh, Samoa Joe had had a lot of training when I was just 
um, learning, like having my first few jujitsu fucking sessions or whatever. And, and so since he's a big guy, you know, he was hard to can't really push him and throw him around and shit. But also, um, I was also strong as fuck. So, uh, we had some really good workouts together and, uh, and I'll always remember that I've known Samoa for, I don't know, a long time, I guess 90, I don't even know, um, 99 ish. Wow. Okay. That is, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, he also saved you from a potential hot dog demise. <laughs> yes, he did. He saved my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe just in case someone doesn't know what we're talking about, um, at USW or fucking uh, Impact in Orlando at yeah. the Universal Studios, uh, I was walking uh, towards him. We're about to pass each other one time and just nodding. And I was eating uh, a hot dog from uh, catering and and ensued uh, and, and on to choke, started, <coughs> which I used to do all the time. I'd eat, I don't know why. It's something that's still, it wouldn't be the strangest thing if I did it now, but it's not something I do uh, every day. But I used to always choke. I'd eat too fast. Even on my own spit, like sometimes my spit goes down my throat, the the, the trachea instead of the esophagus, and, <clears throat> and I start coughing for seemingly no reason. And I, and I always say, I'm going to drown on my own spit someday, and no one's ever going to be able to figure it out. But anyway, at this time, um, yeah, I was choking on a hot dog, and I was talking about it, and Joe was like, it, it got pretty dramatic. He was like, do you need help? And I was like, <clears throat> I was like, sure, come on over. And he picked me up and he was giving me the Heimlich and I was still <coughs> coughing <coughs> and it kind of like, <coughs> kind of like broke free in my throat and he still had me up and I had the hot dog in my hand. I just started like biting it while he was not even saying it was, I don't, <laughs> he was like, put the hot dog down. So that'll probably be one of those inside jokes between me and Samoa Joa forever. Put the hot dog down. Still, my favorite story we told you told on here yet. And Chris Masters one time in a similar situation was like, "Do you need the Heimlich maneuver?" And I was like, <clears throat> and I was calling him over because I had uh, dry swallowed a bunch of uh, pills with no water and it got stuck. Oh, wow. And and he, he and, but when I took him up on his offer, he backed out. He's like, "You need the Heimlich," and I was like, "Yeah, you know." And, and then he was like, "Um, what, what happened?" You know, he's like, "Wait, I don't." He can't you know. talk. Yeah, serious. I need you to sign this release form first. <laughs> you know, I need to. Yeah, <laughs> have you uh, have you had any uh, any legal drugs in the last thirty six hours? Uh, what? He wasn't there for me. I had to uh, actually like um, frog splash the back of a, uh, a piece of furniture, a piece of furniture, so that the 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 back of the chair hit me. I got <clears throat> and I shot a pill across the room. <clears throat> Boom. Damn. I don't know why I used to do that all the fucking time. It was it was like a habit. Like every day it was just something like, but that's that's in my blood. Like when I do something, I do it all the time, and I never learn. And uh, I'm not bragging. I'm sharing how stupid I am. But I got that from my dad because he used to do that all the time too. Well, and he gave you a hard time because of the spill in the orange juice. Every morning, there's a great example. I would do that every morning. Yep. Yeah. So last last week you spilled the champagne. 
Oh my God, I so many. I spilled so many drinks last week. So, but we had a a camper that we would camp at, and there was a bunk bed, and the couch would be under the uh, the bunk bed. My dad would sit on the couch to drink coffee in the morning, and when he would stand up, he would nail his head on the bunk bed, and he would do it all the time, all the time. And it was funny because my mom would then, you know, be like, "Honey, stop! You're gonna wake him," or or whatever. One time Dango uh, was with me, we, you know, staying uh, the weekend there, and, and I was told him, you know, I warned him, like, it's going to be great. You know, dad's going to bang his head in the morning, my mom's going to be yelling at him and stuff. And um, and sure enough, you know, wham, oh, son of a bitch. And he'd, like, sit down and rub his head and he'd stand up and do it again. Bam! That's that's what I got to work with. That's my Polish power blood. The, the Polish prince, there it is right there. Yeah. It's in the bloodline. Made a little song. I would tell Dango, my dad will get up and make lots of noise, and my mom will say, be quiet or you'll wake the boys. <laughs> Man, laying it down. I'm making fun of him. Thank you. <laughs> That's you well, uh, Rick Hard. Ooh, what a name. Rick Hard says, hello from New Hampshire. Hope you had a good day. Thanks for the $2, Rick. Appreciate it. Well, on, man. I did have a good day. It was productive. I had some things on the list. I actually went to the post office, which I only do like once every two months at the at the most, you know. So when people say, hey, ask me for favors, you know, man, I got a great friend. If you could send him a picture, you know, it was a little bit the world of his little boy. He's been having art, whatever. Um, whenever I agree to do something, I always got to say, but don't hurry. Yeah. I don't have a service like that, you know, but I know people tell me you can just somehow you can get them to come and pick it up at your door or something. I don't know. I haven't told that with, with, I don't know if that's FedEx, UPS, whatever the fuck. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, there's like a post office that's like um, literally like a stone throw away from here. So it's not that, but um, that's just like uh, one of those things. So same. Uh, anyway, I did some adulting like that today. That was productive and uh, some other stuff too. So I had a good day. Thank you for the two bucks and the uh, and the wishes. But um, it was it was it was productive. I got um, I got a lot of stuff on the plate. You know what I mean? After especially after having some holidays and stuff, you know. And then it's like business days. I, and being my own boss, I always have. Uh, the opportunity to say, mm, I don't feel like doing this today. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Not gonna do tomorrow will be better. <laughs> you know what? Future Rob might do that, but not present day Rob. <laughs> I do that an awful lot. So when I get shit done, it's like. Yeah, right. I, I do. I'm a king of procrastination too. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll get to it. I got this stuff I got to work out financially. Ah, don't worry about it. Yeah. But then when you knock it out, it's like, boom, W. Yeah, you feel good. About w. It. Get that shit off my plate. Speaking of getting off your plate, this Smiley Garner Gamer, we chimed in last week. Did it feel good to slap the bully Taz? Hey, Smiley, we actually already talked about this on an old, a previous episode. Uh, I believe it's like episode five or six. So check it out. Rob gives full detail about that whole incident. And episode five or six, check it out. Yeah, but uh, to give you a, a quick answer, um, I would say both, both yes and no. You know, like uh, yeah, well, good. 
because it was like a, a big buildup that was like, boom, like let out. Um, it was purposeful. You know, I meant for the slap to push us past the line that we couldn't go pa- uh, back and backtrack. You know, I wanted us to be engaged in the actual activity of a fight. And so like, boom, I'm like, okay, good. You know, we got that done. But, you know, at the same time, it's, you know, the, the on the other side, you know, the fact that I just smacked Taz and, um, you know, I as much as angry as I was at him, you know, I still don't know for sure what's going to happen. You know what I mean? So there's like that, that unsurety that isn't a real good feeling, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just anger kind of like overrides that and tells me that I do know what's going to happen, but obviously nobody could for sure. So. So, you know, at the time, uh, yes, later on, after uh, after we actually didn't fight, I pushed us over the line a couple times and, and thought we couldn't backtrack and, and, and get out of there without some damage being done. And uh, fortunately, we were able to. So that surprised me. And uh, when we did, you know, uh, uh, Taz shared some stuff with me. And and we bonded in in such a way that it didn't feel good at all that I smacked him. I felt bad. Yeah, yeah, that was the other aspect. Is he had like personal issues he was dealing with, and you guys hashed it out in a certain way, and yeah. uh, just made yeah, uh, yeah. There's always that kind of feeling like, oh, I want to do this, and like when you have that conflict, and like want to just get it settled and get this fucking solved. But then there's also that after effect and that kind of feeling like, oh God, going through it is not fun either. So. Uh, but yeah, thanks for the thanks for the chime in there, Smiley. Um, somebody else, I I don't know what denomination this is. Uh, do you know what that is, Rob? The little backwards D with the line. What is that? I believe that's a pound or a euro. A euro. I, I think you're right. It's a euro. euro. I think you're right. So the question he asked with that was, "Hi, RVD. What's your favorite two video games of all time? You've talked about video games before. On that's here. a pretty good question. I'm gonna have to go back because I used to play video games a lot more growing up so i'm gonna think about something that i really had a lot of fun with and uh spent a lot of time um and two games i'm gonna say and if nobody else jumps in front of them real quick no one's gonna jump all right mm-hmm. speaking of jump uh moon patrol and maybe dig dug Ooh, dig dug is a good one what'd you feel about tetris um, it was fun. I didn't play it a lot, so I never. It wasn't one of the games that I got. I would always spend one whole summer on one game and master it. Although I didn't master Dig Dug, um, but um, what was the other one? Oh, Moon Patrol. You know, I would go all the way A to Z and then be halfway through the the second alphabet. So I was pretty far. And um, Matt Mania was one one time, and uh, uh, Kung Kung. Shanghai, Shanghai, I think one was called okay. Shanghai Fighter or something like that. Um, Bionic Commando, that was one I would get to the end on. There was like five stages, and I got to where I'd get to the end on one quarter. And uh, I would spend a lot of me and Dango both because we were so competitive. We would get one game and we would just play it all summer until we master it. And everybody would hate when we were playing because they'd have to wait in line and we'd be playing for 45 minutes off a quarter. <laughs> no shit, you'd be that good at it. Yeah, yeah. Always. I mean, there's games we get to the end of. Um, um, 
Shinobi was one of them. I remember that hearing about that. Get to the yeah. end of the very fucking end of Shinobi, the game would end. Wow. Yeah. Damn. And, now, then, and then there's a sequel to uh, Shinobi, but uh, I don't think it's not called Shinobi Two. It's called something different. It's got a wolf. Um, I can't remember. But. What? Uh, how ending the fighting games did you get like the mortal Kombat stuff i know that was a little later on and anything like yeah that. not as not as much i didn't get into pretty much i could handle one joystick and like two buttons you know what yeah. once, once you got past that you kind of you know i played virtual fighter yeah that was fun mm-hmm. yeah that was a lot of fun but for me that was as far as i could go that was like that was a little bit past what i just told you so i can't remember because sometimes you have to go like down twice and then hit A and B together or something, do a leg sweep. And so that that's the newest game probably that I got into, which of course was forever ago. Like 25 years ago. Yeah, and that's probably the most recent um, video game, I think. You're right, I, though. Like the Sega Genesis, they had like uh, six buttons plus the directional pad and all that. Yeah, like, yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. That's yeah, nice. not for me. <laughs> I know. I said I grew up uh, starting with Nintendo, so I had like Super Mario Brothers and Battle Toads and like Double Dragon and shit like that. So, I like Double Dragon. Yeah, Double Dragon was fun. I like oh. the Atari games like Joust and Kangaroo. Yeah. I like Kaboom a lot. Uh, Activision games. Yeah, the Activision. But at the arcade, uh, like Bionic Commando and like I said, the uh, Shinobi. Um, both of those. We would get to the end where the game just stops. Like, okay, you made it, you win, and um, and, and we got there so often that we would try to collect points along the way to beat our own high score. You know, knowing that we're going to get there in the end and wanting to not pass up any chance to get any points along the way, whatever it took. So, I, I did spend that was a big part of my childhood. I spent a lot of time enjoying that. Video games are fun too. I like you grew up like right before I did when it came to the video game generation, but it was a kind of a cool balance because they were simple and you still did it. We went outside and did shit. There's so many times where like video games are so uh immersive nowadays, or it's like that's a big part of people's lives. It's, it's, yeah, and also I would ride my bike to a place to play the video games, you know, and, yeah. and that was a big adventure, whether it was a bowling alley. Or Pete's Pinball Fun Factory. There was M sixty six bowling. There was Ken Naki's bowling, um, and uh, there was even like a little store. Um, uh, I can't remember what the, what the highway was, but um, or what we played. That was Dig Dug, I guess. But Super Pac Man was one that I used to play too. Um, that would be something. You know, now you could just play at home, and uh, we used to have to ride like maybe. I don't know, at least maybe like sometimes it would be five or 10 miles. Sometimes we'd ride all the way to Lakeview Square Mall to play games uh, in their arcade, you know, and we pretty much seemed to know Battle Creek was small enough to have an idea of what games were in every game holding location. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I know going to like an arcade was like an experience. It was like that. It, yeah. you, you had to you had to go there and it was just like this basically like a Toys R Us just with video games all over. Yeah, yeah. Fun times. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Some fun times coming up, it seems, for Nick Namath, who is now a free agent. And Do you um, remember the Dragon Slayer? I remember Dragon Slayer. I don't think I've ever played it, though. 
okay, it was groundbreaking because it, it actually looked like a cartoon. And, uh, and, and instead of you moving uh, the joystick and somebody moving directly that quick, you move once and it would play like a whole scene out. Um, and you had this adventure through it and it looked like a Disney cartoon. And it was, I think it was called a laser disc game, which was the first of its kind. Yeah. 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 I'm looking right now. Uh, Dragon's Lair came out. 1983 was the first release. Wow. Smoke. Game, game changer, literally. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you're right, Rob. It used laser disc technology, offering greater superior graphics compared to other video games at the time. Yeah, nothing had been done like that before. All of a sudden, instead of being like little block characters, it was like an actual cartoon. And then you would use your direction and tell it what to do and then let it go. And oh. then it would, like, boom, it would do its scenes. Sometimes it would have its own scenes in between, like when you enter a room or something. It would have it would play like a little bit before you have another option of which direction to go. It's really cool. Wow, no, it's really it, cool, man. It stands out, dude. It stands out. It's like yeah, it's like almost like a Disney looking kind of effect to it or vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. I never got good at that one, but it was cool. Right. Some of this, I, I try to play modern games today. I'm like ass backwards. I feel like an old man. Like, I'm just like, oh, I don't know what's going on. We <laughs> got a wall here. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, Dolph Ziggler showed up at New Japan. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So he made cool. it at Wrestle Kingdom 18. And, uh, he's going by a new, uh, new nickname, moniker. I wish I remembered what it was. It's a pretty cool one, though. Um, but yeah, what do you think of like Dolph as a worker and your uh, experience with him? Uh, I think Dolph's a great worker and Dolph's a great guy too. You know, like when I met him, he was one of the uh, the group that was the spirit squad. They were cheerleaders, and that was in WWE in two thousand one, two, three ish in those years. And um, if you hadn't seen them what they would do they all dress like cheerleaders and they would have a trampoline and they run down and bounce off the trampoline and dive through or over the ropes uh, as their entrance so um it was pretty cool but they would get their asses handed to them a lot i think you know i think they were more just uh entertaining and i think dolph kind of broke out for, from there i wrestled the spirit squad one time i remember and uh um I used their trampoline because I'm RVD, so I thought that was cool. That's like someone else picking up Thor's hammer, like right. the Hulk, like the Hulk, because he can. But um, they gave me, the, yeah, they did something where they each, everyone has a limb and they throw you like way up in the air, like a, I guess like cheerleaders do, you know. But um, they did that for for a finish. But um, they were uh, they were entertaining. I think they might have got might possibly have had a little bit of heat backstage for uh maybe maybe for letting their their rise go to their head a little bit it seems like i could be wrong i can't remember anything really specifically but they were like new guys that um uh were getting uh a lot of attention and that usually draws heat with the uh with the veterans that especially guys that had to work really long and hard for it especially with the guys that had to work long and hard for it and still don't get it. You know, they don't like to see young guys get at them like that and, and them get cocky or whatever. But, um, I, you know, Dolph, he's always been a good guy. Um, he's always been uh, good energy, you know, like I've always enjoyed 
his company, hanging out with him, joking around with him. And uh, I think he's a great wrestler. And um, so when I was in WWE, he was still like uh, an undercard guy. And it was just like, um, I guess before I, I don't know if it was after I did my returns or what, but, but when I saw him on TV anyway, and he was like one of the top guys, I was thinking like, wow, he really hung in there and outlasted everybody and, and uh, worked his way through until, you know, he was like the last man standing. So um, him and uh, Kofi was around during that time back then. I think he's still around too, but um, they, uh, they, outlasted everybody by sticking around and 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 you know since like i said he was a great worker so it's not just outlasting anybody but it's being able to outwork everybody and, and staying in there for decades and eventually you might get noticed right right no and the, yeah like around the time you did return he was like in the world title contention and stuff like that and might have been his champion at the championship right. at the time so he was yeah right in the thick of things, and I, when he got released by the in September, both Cena and The Rock took to social media to kind of wish him well and everything like that. And so awesome, that's a good guy. I can't imagine uh, too many people wouldn't like him. I don't know. Have you seen any of his stand-up work or anything like that? No, I haven't. I would like to. Yeah, like him and his brothers have been touring around since he got released, and so they've been doing some stuff. Okay, but, yeah. is his brother younger or older? I believe his brother is younger. It's his younger brother. Does and he wrestle too? Yes, he does. Nick, uh, yeah, well, his name Ryan is his name, and he's actually in AEW. And uh, actually, he's in the Iron Claw. He plays Gino Hernandez in the Iron Claw. So, um, oh, he did. He wasn't one of the uh, Spirit Squad, was he? No, no, he wasn't. I think the one you're talking about that might have got a little bit of heat. I remember back in the day. I think his name was Kenny. Kenny was the one that was. Oh, there. okay, yeah, and one of them was dating Tori. You know, like oh, uh, that might have been him too. Now. That would get some heat right there, but yeah, maybe that was him too. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. But do you remember when Dolph too? He was the caddy for Chavo when Chavo had the the Kerwin White golf gimmick. Didn't know that. Caddy <laughs> too for him, so he's. He's been a little bit all. Oh, here's a good question. Now he didn't pay for it, but I got a. I mean, like golf, by the way, it's been around for like long, long, long time, and uh, had you know good moments and moments of being abused and stuff like that. Like I just have to kind of like I get a feel like they just have to like really love the business. You know what I mean? Like someone, someone like that that um, that sticks through it, through the thick and thin, and and uh, and, and still is in a really uh, good mood and seems happy to be out there doing their thing i i just i just i think of that in a in a complimentary way that they must you know like they must really you know really love the business so it's good to have guys like that in the industry well i'm kind of what i wanted to follow up with too with dolph is like he is somebody that's gotten like pushed and pulled and bounced up and down the card all the time and sometimes would be the guy that take the take the pinfall loss and the lot and the losing and stuff like that um, him getting out of WWE and then kind of having this reset showing up in New Japan and stuff like that. Do you think, as a talent, I know when you're in the competitive a aspect of it all, is do you think that is something that somebody like that can rebound from and kind of like reestablish themselves and 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 kind of move on from that and then, you know, kind of grow as a bigger star, you know? Yeah, I totally do. I, absolutely. Like, uh, obviously, WWE is the the big um guys on on top the standard setters uh the the big machine that really makes everyone into superstars worldwide in you know 150 countries 
But um, besides that, as you know, your image goes a lot further than you do, in, uh, and especially in a case like this. So if he's wrestling for New Japan uh, and, and he's like, uses like a, a top draw and he's kicking ass over there having great matches and people are loving him, um, then he not only could enjoy himself a lot more there if he wasn't getting that kind of a t treatment in WWE, which I, I don't know. You know, I wasn't following um, his his programs or, or whatever. But, um, but if he felt like he was not used right before and then feels like he is used right that's such a great feeling for uh for an artist and everybody should get a chance to feel like that really so i've been there like many times but um then uh you know after a while of being in that new position then uh and capitalizing on that then yeah he could come back with more value than than he had before when he left absolutely i think he could very much mirror and in certain ways, the path like Cody took because Cody left and like went on the free agent or went on the indie market where he would wrestle like names and stuff like that. I remember him wrestling Kurt Angle. Great example. Great example. Yeah. Yeah. And then coming back, like, look at he he's no longer like dashing Cody Rhodes or Stardust. He's right. Cody Rhodes that people associate with an AEW and stuff like that, his own identity and brand. So it's like. Dolph can very much do that, and he's such a smart guy so. when it comes to that stuff. So. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh, in the meantime, maybe he'll enjoy um, wrestling uh, in, in New Japan, you know, uh, a lot less matches, bigger paydays per uh, per show. So um, it's, a, it's a different uh, – it's a whole different setup that offers a lot more time off, if that's something that you're looking for, to work more or to – be with family or follow hobbies, do stand up, whatever the fuck. But, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's usually how it is in Japan. Cause you're not going to be wrestling uh, 52 weeks a year over there. Like you would be in WWE. Um, although I do remember like one time, um, this was a forever ago. Like, uh, maybe I, I think this, maybe this was WWE. Let's say around 2001, I think maybe, but anyway, Chris Jericho, was asking me about going to Japan. We both used to wrestle for Japan. I'd see him over there in Japan, but we weren't wrestling for the same company. He was wrestling for New Japan. I was wrestling for All Japan. And he was uh, saying, Rob, you, you've been to Japan like at least 50 times, right? And I was like, 50 times? Like, I, I don't think so. No, no, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he goes, really? Because, like, we've both been going, like, uh, we started going, like, around the same time, I think, you know, 93, 92, whatever it was. And and he said, um, and I said, no. I said, but I, no, like, I went, and then I didn't go back for a whole year. And then I went again, and I took a whole year off. Then I went three times that year. And uh, and he just said, oh, he said, I thought that I would still, like, add it up. Like, even though he, I know you guys could do tours. And he was doing uh, – he said that he was doing at the time, like, one show a week and flying back and forth, which I don't know how many people were doing that. And I don't know if, uh, if New Japan was just so hot that they had weekly TV then. Well, I guess they probably still do, but I would just assume now it's probably edited from more than just one show. But I really have no idea. There's just different ways of doing things, but but I remember him saying that, and he was surprised 
which uh, at the time, I'm not sure how many times I've been Japan, but still now I know my number's 22 or 23 times that I've been to Japan, uh, not 50, like he was asking me 25 years ago. Wow, that's wild to think that too, like 50 times. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. But back and forth and doing one match or going over there for uh, three or four weeks in a, in a row and then coming home for maybe two, three weeks and then going back again. That would be like, like with All Japan, I think they had eight tours a year if you were full time. And uh, uh, that was pretty rough for me being over there. I preferred the 15-day tour, which was February. That's why I didn't go back for a year and then waited another year and, um, because it was really rough for me. I didn't, especially when I was really young when I started going. I was so young, 22 years old, just turned 22. That's crazy. Yeah, and I didn't know how to eat, you know, and how to not spend money on the road. And, and in Japan, everything was so expensive. The goals for everybody was to try to not spend money, you know. So it's it's like uh, don't buy, you know, don't buy a, a, a Coke from the vending machine or, or, you know, go, you know, go out on the road. You know, that this one's here is for tourists and that's for and it was or there's a grocery store downstairs or we would bring stuff. For some reason, we would bring tuna fish. I have no idea why, because I'm sure we could get tuna there. But that was uh, tuna fish and peanut butter. Just because all the other wrestlers that were older than me told me to do that. I'd bring a big bag of that, haul it around. It was a pain in the ass. Um, but I, I like the matches, though. How was uh, the paydays there in comparison to? Were they worthwhile going there, or was it more just for the experience? No, the paydays were uh, very much higher than than in the uh, United States. So that's that's uh, that was a good incentive, you know, for people to to go to uh, Japan. So if I uh, went over there um, for, like I said, the 15 um, the 15 day tour in February and then and then came home, uh, even like what I started at when I was just 22 years old, what I started at over there, what I would have got in that 15 days might have come close to matching what I got the rest of the year, maybe. Wow, really? it. I think, you know, close to it anyway, at least another uh, uh, probably eight, ten months, if not the whole year. So um, just because, you know, I mean, at that age, I didn't have, you know, it, you know, it was – Every, all the numbers were different at that age. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. my, monthly, my monthly bills were way different, um, and what I was getting paid was different. But that was one one thing about Japan. And and I always was told from the very start, Baba, John Baba will never screw you. He's very honest. He, he never screws anybody. He tells you you're going to get this much. You can be sure that's exactly what you're going to get paid. And I just remember I was always told that, and that was always true. And I always had a lot of – a lot of respect for Mr. Baba, and I'm I'm proud that I got to uh, work for him for so many uh, so many years and su such a long time. He was uh, um, some something out of my career that I'm really proud of, and I enjoyed what he added to my value as well. Wow, you, you know, it's like you, you. I've heard that plenty of times too. How much people loved working for Baba. I know, like. Bruno went over there and Terry Funk went over there. And I think both of them were like, yeah, I, I wouldn't work for anybody else but Bob over there because he was so loyal to us that we wanted to be loyal to him, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely something like that. So, 
cool. No, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Dolph decides to do. And uh, he's kind of can set his own terms in a lot of ways. He's pretty well off and it's like, you know, he's established his name. So, and he's got another outlet in comedy and stuff. So if he ever just wants to do that, he can just go and do that. So cool. I wish him the best. He's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of comedy, Rob, I've been wanting to ask you this and I just, we haven't crossed paths with Name some of like your favorite comedians and stuff. Uh, do you have uh, certain lists that stand out to you that you really enjoy and their their style of comedy? Yes, I do. So I grew up uh, from. I I always am a fan of like dry humor, intelligent humor, over character voices, and you know people uh, being dramatic, making loud noises, and or faces, you know, there's different styles and I don't know, different people like to be entertained by someone that makes funny faces at them or whatever. But for me, I always appreciated Stephen Wright. He was like a real um, strong inspiration for me. I loved his material, thought he was a genius. And um, also Bob Newhart was, oh, yeah. might've been the first one because I used to watch the Bob Newhart show when I was a real little kid. He was so dry so funny i thought and um also mitch hedberg as of more re more recent years like i didn't know of mitch hedberg until he was already gone um and uh i know that he, i would have clicked with him uh and i get compared to him sometimes to people that are at my shows whenever i hop up and tell a few jokes but um I like his sense of humor as well. And um, I'm leaving somebody out that's in there. But I mean, also, there was a time, you know, like when I when I knew every word to every one of Andrew Dice Clay's uh, yeah. uh, routines, you know, for different reasons, you know, not 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 so much the intelligent humor, but whatever, whatever it was, me and Dango were really into him when we were like 18, 19 or whatever. You know, we, we left saying, hickory dickory duck. <laughs> We loved it. Yeah. I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah. no, those are, those are great ones. Uh, people are naming others in the super chat here. Eddie Murphy, um, Bill Hicks, um, George Carlin, of course, Sam Kennison, yeah. uh, Daniel Tosh. Obviously, I like uh, Chappelle a lot. I like uh, Bill Burr. Um, there's a lot of good, good, great. Uh, Patrice O'Neill was always great too. Yeah. There's some good, there's some really good ones. Um, oh, I like Alonzo Thomas. No, Lonzo Bowden, I'm sorry. Lonzo Bowden, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A, yeah, I like, yeah, I mean, I like, uh, I like a lot of them, um, but as inspiration, you know, I think like Stephen Wright is, I just thought, you know, like, how can you think of that stuff? You know, like, if I, you know, wait, if I, if I melt dry ice, can I swim without getting wet? Like that's fucking, but so, so a lot of, I like that kind of stuff, even though half the crowd is going to be confused by it, you know, it's more about the art than it is about just connecting with the crowd in a case like him. And I, and I, I feel like that too, you know, like I write, like I write stuff that, that I know is funny to me, even if like, some of the people be like, oh, that's too smart. I don't want to think. Can you can you do a cartoon voice like Fluffy? <laughs> be like Fluffy. <laughs> it's like, but yeah. Um, but yeah, fucking, uh, what do you say? He bought used paint one time. It was in the shape of a house. Love it. He bought evaporated water, but didn't know what to add. 
Some of those shit, like I'll never forget those. You know what I mean? What'd you like, think of Norm McDonald? What's that? What'd you think of Norm McDonald? Oh, I like him. I yeah. like him. He's like usually what I think of Norm, I can't tell if he's serious or not. Almost right. like uh, yeah, like like the uh, Andy Kaufman in that way. Like he's so committed, and sometimes his jokes will be so bad, right? Right. And he's like, does he really think that's funny? Is he or is the joke on us because he's playing a joke on us by pretending that he's standing behind that material? Sometimes he does it like that, and I don't, and I don't get it. You know? Or he did the one thing too. He was roasting somebody. I think it was like a comedian or something. And everybody's like, it was like a Comedy Central roast. And so when he goes up there, all he tells are like these stupid, punny, like lighthearted jokes that are like what you would tell it like to school kids, basically. Right. That was his whole yeah. bit for the roast. Yeah. yeah. Kind of Andy like, isn't he? Kind yeah, of. very much so. Yeah. 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 If anybody does want to see any of my shit, like the last several times, I haven't gone up in a while. And uh, haven't had the mindset to. I like the idea of it, but I gotta, um, but I gotta, I gotta get in the frame of mind if I can even want to do that. But anyway, the last several times I've gone up on stage, I write a, a whole new set each time, and then uh, might you know bring an old one or two back if I thought of a way to to tweak it or or work it in differently or whatever. But that's for me, like I got to where that's what I would enjoy out of it as opposed to somebody that just has, uh, you know, a routine and they go on the road and they're just doing their thing. That's an awesome job being a performer, just like if you were a singer singing the same songs every night or whatever. But, um, but for me, I'm not a true comic in that sense, you know, to where um, that's not something that I, enjoy as much as like kind of moving on uh well sometimes but anyway what i was gonna say on my youtube page there's a playlist for my comedy and you can see the last five or six seven sets or, or whatever that are that are on there um because i did it i posted that shit up there oh rob how long are your sets or what's the longest kind of set that you've done the longest one I think was um, an hour or an hour and uh, in ten minutes or something oh. like that. Yeah, that was the first time that I went on tour with in um, Tom. Um, what's Tom's last name? Um, he he uh, he's a he's a really funny dude, and he headstrong is uh, is basically about the the tour he brought me on. But um, I don't think it was this. He brought me on one before. I don't know. I've done a couple tours, two, three, maybe four. I don't know. I don't think I've done four. I don't know. But anyway, Tom books him. He drives me around, and he's the guy. And um, he, yeah, the first time he kind of let me go out there and, and just to see, I guess, how much I had or how long I would go or whatever. Um, and it, it ended up being like, like I said, I think it was like an hour and it was either an hour and 15 or hour and 10, but, uh, somewhere in there. And then the goal was to hit like, I think 45 or 55. So after I did that the first night, then it was a lot easier. I was more confident cause I knew I had enough, you know, if I forgot anything I could reach and there was enough shit up there in my head. So, um, but, but so, you know, like, um, a lot of times, if I just, if I call a comedy guy, my friend, and I say, dude, uh, I want him to jump up there this week, you know, he'll, if he says, uh, 
Like, you know, can you do uh, eight minutes on Thursday? Like, man, eight minutes goes by so quick. It's like so quick. Does it? It feels like that? Yeah, it does. I would feel like it would take – see, to me, that would feel like it would be like an eternity. Well, it would have when I started back in 2016 or whenever, 2006. You know what I mean? Now it would be just like – Yeah, now I'm like, fuck, already? Like, I only got my three favorite jokes (laughs) and I didn't get to – yeah, so um, I used to just run the light anyway and I'd be like, fuck it. What are they going to do? And they give me the flashlight that tells me, you know, whatever, whatever – cushion i told them to give me at the end a minute two minutes whatever a lot of times i would just fucking run it and uh not worry about it and keep going but uh so you know uh at least 10 you know 12 minutes 15 minutes is cool you know if i'm advertised on it then maybe you know 20 or 30 but a lot of times i like to just jump up when i'm not advertised and then i get a crowd that's not just there to you know, see the Roman Thunder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're surprised because they're, they're in my intro. You know, Hall of Fame, former WWE champion, Rob. They're like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, wow, it's him. And and then they go home uh, very happy that I made them laugh and, and that I was funny. And they had no idea. Surprise. <laughs> they had no idea. And then we take pictures afterwards. How about that? Now, have you gotten heckled while you're on stage? No. No, um, I, I I can't think of one. I, it almost seemed like there was like like one time, but I don't think there was. Yeah, it's you know I have uh, like on the tours that Tom brought me in. Some of the places that I don't want to do anymore would be like bars that were even like still like the bar is still going and people are still talking to each other and, and shit. And you're just over in a corner uh, trying to keep these people's attention. But every sometimes it's like that and it's bad. And I mean, I I remember the tour I have done something like that where I was like, where I stopped as if they were heckling me, but they weren't, they were just talking kind of loud. And I was just like, uh, I was like, all right, dude, I'm going to wait till you're done, man. You're, I mean, you know, you are the whole fucking show. You know, everyone is here to hear you talk. So, you know, whenever you're done, you know, whatever. But no, but usually, no, usually everyone, I talk really slow. Uh, probably much like I do in my ideology, but even slower. And it kind of draws everybody in that's paying attention. And they got to pay attention to get my jokes. Because, like I said, I'm not jumping all over the place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely check him out on YouTube, guys, if you get to see him and stuff. Um, did you ever feel like you bombed? Mm, I don't think I've ever felt like I had like a, a oh um the closest the closest it was that I can uh, remember that that felt like that was um it was a hood slam event in San Francisco and uh, the little Ronald McDonald dude um Mikey the wrestler slash comedian, he had booked me to do like, I think a few locations, maybe a three day thing or something. And one of them was at the hood slam thing. And it was just a horrible place to to do stand up. And especially me, maybe if it was someone screaming and jumping and dancing, maybe it would have worked. I don't know. But hood slam was famous for crossing lines at that time and being like extra bold and the referee would smoke joints while he's in the ring during the match. And I think girls would show their tits. So it was like something that was like a real extreme thing. And the, and, and they thought it'd be a good idea to have me go in the ring 
uh, I think to open it or something. So I'm out, they want me to do like 20 minutes or something. I'm in the ring and I, nobody can hear me. I can't even hear me. You know, the sound system's so shitty. And so with my mundane, uh, you know, facial features and stuff, you know, I'm just, you know, just talking like, uh, yeah. So, you know, I always, uh, blah, 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 and, uh, blah. And it, that's the closest that I think just cause the whole thing didn't work at all. But, but, you know, it's not like people turn on me and were booing or you suck or anything, you know, that can remember. They just, it was just like, I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna, go over my set or my jokes in my head and practice uh, uh, getting it down and, and um, you know, working on my material. And so that's that's what I did for a few minutes until Mikey called it off and said, all right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start with the wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's a good way to do it, though, is just be like, oh, it's kind of like batting practice. And I'm just getting Especially starting out uh, some really crappy places sometimes, you know, where it's, it's not even – made for that and, and people can't hear you and they don't even anyway that's that's part of it you know um and i was doing those still some of those kind of venues as early as a couple of years ago but now i'm like nah if it's a comedy club then i'm in if, then they're there to see comedy not to drink at the bar and i'm interrupting them you know right, <laughs> right. no the reason i brought up comedy too is i just watched um the Cat Williams interview with Shannon Sharp. And it's like a two and a half hour interview. And it's so fucking fascinating. Like the, the career that guy has had and what he was talking about. And like his brand of comedy is just hilarious too. Just his, him and his dialogue with Shannon Sharp is really good. I'll have to send it to you though, because it's. Does, does he call Chris Rock out or say something on it? Yeah, he calls out like, well, he calls out Kevin Hart. He calls out Steve. Yeah. Hart, and yeah. yeah. And then uh, Chris Tucker, he calls out too. Um, so it's, it's very entertaining and interesting. So, uh, it's definitely worth a listen guys. I recommend that too. So, um, the thing about doing stand up is like, I enjoy sometimes going up there and doing that. I enjoy the creation process of visualizing and putting the material together and, and then going out there and delivering and then getting the, uh, the instant feedback gratification of having what played out in my mind play out. But I'm not looking to do anything with it. And that confuses people because people think, why would you do something if you're not looking to do something? You know, so like people will be commenting on this, you know, like, brother, I can uh, get you uh, hooked up with a manager that can book you or, you know, it's like, I don't want to go around the road and travel and do that. It won't. Um, you know, it's not, I'm not at uh, Fluffy's level if I was getting his paydays. And then maybe it would be, you know, um, then maybe it would be uh, worth it. But I'm definitely not at that position in the comedy business. Not looking to be. It's just something I enjoy doing sometimes. I mean, if maybe we can get you a Netflix special, though. Yeah. I hear they pay out big. So. Well, I would actually like to record a, a special sometime. And I've been talking about that for, for years. And uh, I must have hours worth of material since I write new shit all the time and change it out and stuff. So much that if I... Watch something old. I, I hate to hear those jokes, you know. Yeah, I, I, I could imagine some of that being like, ah, oh, you know, it's kind of <laughs> I cringe a little bit, a little bit for some of that. Uh, for for ninety five percent of it, <laughs> it could be tough. It'd be tough to watch yourself back sometimes with that stuff. Um, we've got one hundred twenty four people in here, so guys, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, be sure to comment. That always helps 
boost up the algorithm that YouTube presents to us. But yeah, if you want to get a super chat in before we wrap it up here, which is going to be pretty soon, uh, you do do that. Chime in with a super chat. Uh, we'll be happy to answer them. Uh, I'll close it out with one of these, Rob, before we do wrap it up here. Uh, obviously, the, uh, this past Monday, The Rock showed up on Raw and uh, confronted not or talked about Roman Reigns, but confronted Jinder Mahal and uh, pretty co- comedic kind of standpoint. And then they took a like a, you know, an America stand on it too. like Jinder Mahal did the anti-American kind of thing like you American citizens, blah, 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 and all that. And then The Rock fired back and all that stuff. Uh, just from a promo standpoint overall, how would you kind of rank The Rock as an all-timer? Is it a, um, um, I, I guess as far as people getting behind him and shit, I'd put him at the top, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think him and Steve Austin, like, people get so excited to jump in on the repeated dialogue, the, the, the high spots that they know, you know, that like when they know he's going to say smell what the rock is cooking or, or whatever it is, you know, they're, they're ready to say his expressions with him. Uh, very much like, like Stone Cold, I think. And uh, so I would put both of those guys at the top. And by the way, uh, they had a baby named uh, Ken Anderson. So, you know, there's, right. there's, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> I just always thought that Ken Anderson sounded like he was very much inspired by The Rock and Steve Austin when he did his promos. Yeah. Well, L.A. Knight's getting that nowadays, too. L.A. Knight is the guy that they're really – Right, yeah. I think uh, I think that's what Nash – I think I saw Nash saying that. Yeah, Nash was talking about that. Um, so from a booking standpoint, when it comes to WWE and, like, it's Roman Reigns and The Rock, people were talking about it. And Rock teased it, you know, coming up. Like, he wants to sit at the head of the table, quote-unquote. And so everybody's like, wow, he's good. It's, this match is going to happen. And But there's that aspect of, like, Cody Rhodes has been in the prime position of, like, hey, he's got to finish his story, and we're going into Roman Reigns, and everybody was expecting Cody to kind of face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. If you're on such a big platform, you have two major names, such as The Rock and Roman Reigns, but you have this intriguing story of Cody going on. From a, a business standpoint, does it just make more sense to go with the rock and Roman at Roman at WrestleMania and then like table the Cody story and finish it off in a certain way? Or how would your mindset be coming from that? Well, I don't know what all the factors are going, uh, going into it, but just from uh, what, what you laid out there, I would, I would think exactly. I mean, the bloodline is or has taken over and, uh, the Rock's coming to support that. That's why he's coming back. He's not coming back because he misses wrestling. He's not coming back because uh, he needs to get in the ring again real bad. Uh, making all that money, doing movies is uh, wearing him out, and he needs, <laughs> needs to get in the ring and uh, bang his elbows and knees or anything like that. He's coming to support his family and uh, to pay it forward with the bloodline uh, by uh, drawing attention and money uh, and everything that comes with that as far as climbing the ladder of hierarchy in the industry uh, for Roman Reigns because they're cousins. That's exactly why he's coming back. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true too. He's like very much into growing that and making the, you know, you'll see the Usos making their own like star power kind of name and now Roman, it's just, 
yeah, it makes sense to tie it all together. And people have been talking about this kind of match for years. So, I mean, I think there's certain ways you can pay off Cody later on, too, if you need to. Um, I wanted to include this one. Lelena mentioned about Mitch Hedberg. Dogs are forever in the push-up position, said Mitch Hedberg once. So that's pretty good. <laughs> that is true. Really. Yeah, I got to – man, now I'm not going to be able to unsee that moving forward. Um, is, uh, when uh, when I would drive, um, a lot of times uh, – Petrie would be wanting to look out the window, and so she would her her front paws would be straight out, so she could see out the window. But she would kind of be like sitting, uh, uh, like across, like on my on my lap or on my chest or something that high. And I always said she was holding a plank, and she was. If I didn't scoop under and support her, she would be holding a plank, and, and eventually she would start to give and come down. So I'd put my hand under her chest and. Supporter, so she could go out the window. <laughs> Multitasking while driving. There you go. Yeah. Well, um, cool guys. Um, I think that just about does it here, Rob. I wanted to cover some current topics a little bit, and um, oh, I I'll close it out with this here real quick. Somebody mentioned this earlier on. Being sick, like not injured, but sick while wrestling, is that. Do you consider that kind of worse sometimes than working through injuries since you're so used to working through injuries? When you say you get like the flu and you have to go through a match, is that more treacherous sometimes than actually working through an injury? Mm, I would rather, well, fuck. Yeah, I mean, it can be. I mean, if I got to choose from a list of injuries, you know, all of them pretty substantial, but different parts of my body that I know I can work around or whatever. If I have, was given the choice, I, you know, a lot of times I would rather have an injury than, than like say be hung over and feel like I'm going to puke any second. That's not a good feeling. And I've uh, been there um, a couple of times and uh, it was really bad, like major headache, um, it was from being hungover, drinking too much, and during that fun part of my life. <laughs> um, but uh, I actually I wrestled Teddy Hart. Really? And, yeah, and I know I disappointed him because um, I know that was one of his dream matches. And he had told me so years ago when he met me, you know, but he was really – looking forward to working me but also i was at a point in my career where i wasn't looking to to uh steal the show by doing a moonsault from the top rope through three tables on the floor you know what i mean like that was like i feel like he was more representative of the the the, the new style now where um or hey give me a canadian destroyer from the bleachers and it'll get a bigger pop you know and i, don't, I can't even tell who that's who, who's taking that? Who's giving that move when when I see it? But that's that's just me. I know the move is over, but that move re represents the whole new um, age for me, and Teddy does too. And anyway, I, uh, you know, we had our match in Rawway, and I just know that um, uh, I was so hungover too, and you know, did the best I could to to get through it. Um, 
but I remember afterwards, you know, asking him, you know, I, you know, I know, I know you really look forward to working with me and stuff, but he, but again, he would have wanted to go out and do every single spot. And I was way past that point in my career anyway. Boy, yeah. AJ Styles, when I worked with AJ, you know, if, he, if I would have been, uh, if it would have been earlier in my career when I was still trying to make a name for myself, then um, I would have pushed the envelope more with the matches with him too, you know, but if he wants to do a springboard, um, gainer flip from the top rope to the to the floor then i uh, go ahead you know i'm not feeling the need to, to outdo that with uh something of a similar thrill but um anyway i remember talking to teddy afterwards and and being like yeah right you know did you like it i know that you know you want to work a lot i probably find out what you thought it'd be whatever and he was just like as long as you're happy with it as long as you're happy with it i'm happy <laughs> so i was like oh man you know, um, and, and there was another match with um, <laughs> with um, um, Jake, Jake or Jack um, Schwagert Haggard. Oh, okay, Jake Hager. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack Hager or Jake Jack Swagger. Swagger. Yeah, either way. But I feel like that was in Raw way too. But well, I could have that mixed up. But it seems like both of those. It seems like I was like. Uh, on the on the sixth side during the match, not feeling good, and uh, besides that, it almost never happens. You know, like usually, no matter how I'm feeling, by the time I get ready to go out there, everything seems to go away. Boom! Um, just like Dory Funk told me it would uh, years ago, um, when 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 I was uh, really young in Japan and hung over from all the the boys making me drink, you know, all night and shit. And I was like, oh, my God. And I remember talking to Dory. He said, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to go out there. And he was like, he said, yeah, you know, I feel like I'd, usually by the time uh, it's showtime and ready for your match, like, I feel like everything pretty much comes together and it always works out. And I was, damn, man, he's he was right, you know, for the most part. Not 100% of the time for me, but for the most part. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing, too, is like, I mean, I've been hungover several times and just doing a regular like fucking desk job and not being able to function. So it's just like if you're getting physical and stuff like that, I would definitely think I'd be like, but yeah, maybe it's just your brain just kind of adjusts and make those kind of things for it. It's just but as far as like having the flu, a cold, this was before COVID, you know, you just weren't allowed. That was not allowed. OK, but so if you were like sick like that, they would just take you off the card or something. No, you were you wouldn't even tell anybody, or oh. or, you would, or you would just try and take some decongestant. And uh, man, it sucks going out in the ring when you can't even breathe through your nose, and, and and you're already like the cold medicines making your heart flutter or whatever. But it's like, dude, it's not a regular job. It's not the kind of job you call in sick for. You know, like the reason that you're there tonight is because you were on the poster on the radio people bought tickets to come tonight to see you they've been looking forward to it for the last three four weeks at least you can't just say oh i got the sniffles right yeah i got some it's not that kind of industry it's yeah. not no no it's like yeah you just gotta power through it man <laughs> that's a that's the thing too you really i mean you look at it nowadays with the nba they used to like it, they always talk about the Jordan Michael Jordan flu game when he played in the flu game. But like nowadays, there's this they do that load management where they can pick days off. And I would just be thinking as a fan, I go buy a ticket to see LeBron James play, 
and then he just doesn't play that day because he's ah doesn't feel like it or maybe he's sick. It's just like ah, come on, they've been waiting months for that. Like they pay money for it to go see him. Right. Sometimes um, I can remember a wrestler in the dressing room earlier in the day saying, "Hey, I just want to tell you, I got like I have a cold, <laughs> you know, so I'm gonna try not to breathe on you, just a heads up or whatever." And it's like, okay, cool. And that could be a guy that I'm in the ring on top of later on during the match. Uh, but just as a courtesy thing, you know, sometimes you give a heads up, but it's not very like, uh, take it easy. I got a headache. Yeah, right. It's nothing like that. I, oh, I can't show up. <laughs> when you said it, uh, I meant when I misunderstood you, I was like, oh, wow, they just took you off the car because you were sick or had the cold. I was like, that doesn't I remember when I called in because I had a broken toe uh, in, in Tampa, Florida. And man, I got chewed out so hard. I, I learned a lesson. I learned a lesson that night. They couldn't believe I called in. From a bro for a broken toe, and I wrestled barefoot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got a couple super chats in here. Uh, this is a good one. Gem the Dawn, five dollars. Thank you. He said, "Bro, thanks for the talk on mental health the other week. You inspired me to reach out and inspired me to get a little help while I'm going through a little rut." So awesome. That's fucking great, man. I love I love hearing those. You know, hearing that uh, makes me feel like I got a. A purpose for what we're doing here. You thanks for validating us, Jim the Don. Yes, thank you. You know, and that's the thing too. Keep at it, man. Like sometimes that therapist will be if you're seeing a therapist, sometimes they'll be the right fit for you, sometimes they won't. But like just ride it through and 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 keep at it because it does take some time. Like no matter yeah, what Yeah, so yeah, when I uh before I got um, on medication uh, in 2016, when I was like going through a, a pretty bad bout of depression, the divorce, dad died, dog died, um, big lonely house all by myself. And I was feeling down. One of my friends that I talked to at that time was like, don't, you know, don't, don't let them put meds in you. And he said his sister took uh, Prozac and uh, killed herself. And he said that uh, she never was suicidal until she started taking the Prozac and drinking. And uh, Prozac is known for being something you don't drink on. Uh, with the Wellbutrin and the Lexapro, I specifically asked the doctor, now is this something uh, I know I've heard you're not supposed to drink on antidepressants? And, and he said, oh, you should be fine. So it depends on uh, exactly like which. I mean, he asked how much I drink, and you know, said so, uh, you you should be fine. You know, normal amount. Like I'm on that. Like so, um, they're all different. They're all different. And so a lot of people will tell me that they tried something and it just didn't work for them. But that's kind of like saying you tried candy and so it, it didn't work for you. There's like so many different kinds, so many different strengths. Uh, so many different um, ingestion schedules that might time up perfect with your brain chemistry, which could be something that's temporary. It could be something that's more long-term. Uh, either way, it could be helpful for you if you get just the right thing that your brain needs. And it could take a little work. You could be trying the wrong stuff, the wrong strength, uh, or taking, uh, you know, taking it too often or not enough. Uh, but, you know, they call it experience because it takes um, a bit, the more experience, the better. And, you know, we get experience in life from two ways. We get experience 
firsthand from experiencing it. And also we can learn from other people's experience. But with something like this, just because someone else says it's not a good idea, take that into consideration, but don't let that be the only fact you consider because it really might be a good idea and it might not be a good idea for them. Right, yeah, it really depends on the person and their circumstances too. They, they had a bad experience obviously and somebody else like had a good experience and things like that where it's like and you said this too when you were doing the rvdology the other week was like you kind of mentioned that it takes a couple of weeks for the meds to actually kind of work and get in your system get in your blood and so that like that's something you have to kind of be cognizant too if you're if you're relatively new to meds and be like all right i'm not feeling anything well it takes it takes a little bit of time to kind of accustom and then your body gets used to it once you start taking it more on that. And then even after that, they usually start you on a small dosage. So you might not necessarily feel anything. So when you follow up, you can get the dosage up or adjusted to how you need it. So um, Yeah, it's it's not something that you just take one time and then you get high or, or stoned or, or, or numb or anything off of it. It's something that takes a couple of weeks of uh dosing to build up a level in your system to where it's effective and so it's really important to, to get a good doctor and that's something too unfortunately you might even have a doctor that's not the best doctor that doesn't give you the best advice and of course going to a second doctor is a really big step like out of out of most people that will go the the and take the step to actually talk to somebody once they do that you know a lot of them aren't going to go ahead and say well i'm going to go ahead and go through all that again and find somebody completely different just to see if what i heard first now nah, i'm good you know they told me this and, and i get that it's always easier to do nothing but man sometimes it's worth it because uh, like with, uh, well, actually with um, the, I guess it's the psych, I think it's the psychologist that talks to you and the psychiatrist that prescribes the drugs. I could have that backwards. I think it's that, backwards. I think it's backwards. Uh, yeah. But yeah. well, I've had uh, the person you talk to, the psychiatrist, I've had uh, one that was really good and I've had one that was like useless. Unfortunately, had, was, yeah. yeah. But same thing with chiropractors. I've had some that were amazing. They could feel my body and tell me where I'm hurting. And uh, and then there's other other ones, you know, where they're really uh, not doing anything for me. And, uh, and, I, and a lot of the people that they see, they either do nothing for them or sometimes people get hurt going to the chiropractor and then they then they're never, never going to be down for trying it again. But in fact, there are some good ones just like everything and i feel it's definitely the same way with the meds and with the uh, people behind them that prescribe the meds and and uh talk to you all of it it is and yeah guys always remain like feel free to chime in with that kind of stuff it's always good to hear and give us updates if you if you need updates or support you know it's kind of it's a good system we have here we already have a pretty good community growing on on the, in the chats it seems some regulars are showing up and everybody's very supportive it seems of one another so and rob's got great insight on this stuff so uh, i think mental health is something you know i'll try to make an effort to talk a lot about more because it's something that's such an internal uh experience uh that it's hard to imagine that other people have it too because it's so inside you but in fact we all have these internal thoughts, whether they're unnecessary nervousness about how people are going to perceive us, 
in any circumstance, whether you're going on a date or maybe you're going to a meeting, maybe you're going to meet some uh, people, family of so whatever, you know, uh, we, there's a lot of times where uh, no matter who you are inside, you know, you sometimes you ask yourself some questions, you know, about, you know, is, is this is this the right thing to say? Is this the right thing to do? The right thing to wear? The right thing to whatever? All of that, I think, if you know that all of us, you know, have at least questions in mind and you can realize that's part of just being human then i think you can see that that's all a path to greater discomfort within one's own secure choices which eventually can lead to mental health so it's something that we're we're all connected to even though you don't see it none of us have the the manual of life and just go through changing the book like did that right did that right hell yeah i know that you know i know i'm betting on uh, the right numbers on the lottery tomorrow you know nobody does that for sure so again it's experience and uh we're all experiencing life so sometimes you need a little hand i'm glad uh that talking about that can help people reach out and get a hand when they need it because fucking A, man. There's no reason not to. Absolutely not. And guys, yeah, you can check that RVD out, Ology out specifically, too. We have we have it clipped up on Rob's YouTube, so check it out. It's up, up at rvdpod.com there. And we have the full video there. It's really, really good. Uh, I think it was our best episode we did, actually. That was a great reason for it, too. Um, a couple oh. super chats here. Smiley chimed in. Have you ever been on Sabu's podcast or on his Twitch? No, I didn't actually realize that he was doing that. I remember a few months ago hearing a title that implied Sabu was doing a show. Sabu Speaks, I think it was. I saw something about that, but um, I think I texted him and said, you have a podcast? You know, and I think he just said LOL or something. And I don't think we talked about it again. So until now, I didn't realize uh, that he is actually doing that, but I am planning on getting together with him to talk about um, another project with uh, Joe Clark, who was on last week's episode. Um, hopefully tomorrow. So I'm going to ask him about that. Nice, nice. Yeah, Sabu Speak is actually on the Premier Stream Network too. Hey, so. Is it like a weekly, regular show? I don't know if it's weekly or if it's like bi-weekly or something, but he does it pretty consistently, I would say. I know. Does somebody interview him? He's got a host, obviously, right? He's got like a co-host, yeah. But Or oh. maybe he just do, does it solo. Like, I don't know if he does or what. But, yeah, he, he makes the announcement. I guarantee Sabu doesn't know how to hit record. Okay. And, <laughs> you would know more. I'm going to look it up, though. And, I, and, and uh, yeah, and then I'll have him on our show, too. Yeah, we'll do a little crossover. Crossover. Uh, one last super chat here. My Sabu. brother. My brother Sabu. And I think it's fascinating. That that's one of the my favorite aspects so far of us doing this show was learning about your like friendship with Sabu, but in turn your mentorship from the Sheik and stuff like that. I think it's such a cool aspect of this show. So. All right. Orlando Herrera, five dollars. They should put double thumbs just for you, like Rob, for just for likes every day. Yeah, you did. I've seen you on your social media. You do the thumbs down, thumbs up, and that's kind of like your 
your indication of that. But yeah, that'd be no, I, I get it. I get it exactly though because I do. I do this. It's sideways. Yeah. It's this. Right? Yeah. And you have the smiley face in between. Yeah. Sometimes the sunglasses. Oh yeah, my head won't turn sideways, so it's this. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Um, Need yeah. a chiropractor after that one. <laughs> yeah, that was when I remember, like when I was talking about doing a Twitch show before this. You did like a, at least a year ago, longer. Um, somebody made a channel actually for me and Katie, and uh, started making graphics, and then I just never understood it enough to pull the trigger on it or whatever but from what i understood if you have a membership with amazon prime you could pick a subscription or two and and, and then so we would get we would aim for them i i don't because then i guess it's covered with their amazon subscription so i thought but anyway one of the benefits also that, that i was told was that they would make uh, emojis for for me or i make my oh, own yeah i think they do that yeah somehow somehow yeah i don't know if they make it or who makes it but that was part of the deal was that you would have your own emojis and i never understood that either like who like where are they used only on my page or can people use my emojis like on other pages that's a good question yeah i don't know I know like Cole Cabana does his stuff on there and he's had his own. I think it's maybe specific to the channel if I had to. Hmm. Yeah, I know yeah. it. Maybe, maybe I'll revisit that idea. Like I said, I got, you know, a lot of stuff that was set up for it. And then uh, that was right when I started doing RVDology because that was one of the ideas originally was I would do it live on Twitch. And uh, then I just started learning to use that, not Stream Deck, OBS. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people might use too for that platform. But yeah, hey, I don't know. Maybe we can stream live on Twitch on here too. I don't know. I have to look into that. But uh, pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. All right, cool, Rob. Is there anything else you want to cover? We kind of did an unofficial RVDology right there. I would think. Right? I think we covered the vibe enough. You know, let's mix it up. Mix it up. Keep the people guessing so they don't get too used to a pattern or anything, and see if they notice. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, like I like you know the takeaway. Um, I think uh, is, and if you don't agree, then uh, let me know because I, I I've already said this several times. I'm about to say it the third time. You get experience two ways: firsthand through your own experience. Sometimes that's the way to do it. And then sometimes it's through someone else's experience and you don't have to experience it. Then if you see somebody touch the stove and it burns their hand, well, you don't have to go now and touch the stove. You've learned from watching and from someone else's experience, pretty much everything in life. I believe you can uh, put into that, that same uh, formula or sentence or, uh, or, or, that that guideline of you you learn from experience and 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 that's the best that's the best way so um some things think about it you know if it's if you need to experience it yourself um then you you weigh out the odds you're making that choice it's going to get through to some of these people i know it is some of the conflicts that are on your mind right now 
do you need to experience this yourself? Or can you just learn from other people's experiences and that's going to be enough? Because I'm telling you that it's always going to be one or the other. And I think that being cognizant of that, having that perspective is a great way uh, to get you a dose of RV theology this week. Uh, and, and also be aware of the decisions uh, that you make. You know, it could be something pretty heavy. It could be sexual. It could be like drug usage. It could be something criminal. It could be uh, something, it could be just going to a movie. You know, just because someone said this movie's really great. Do you have to go and see it now? Fuck it, I don't. I'll take your word for it, you know. Um, anyway. You apply where you can, and uh, that's going to be uh, what I hope everyone takes away. That and anything else you want to take away. You feel free to take whatever you want, but don't be robbing shit. Yeah, don't be robbing shit. Don't be, don't be robbing nothing. But you guys want to do something. Don't take shit away. What's that? If they want to do something, I want to make a pledge for people to kind of, or I guess a pitch for people to go. Uh, to your podcast, whatever podcast you listen to, whether it's on Spotify or uh, Apple or whatever, and give us a five-star review. And if you write us a good up review and stuff like that, we'll pop it up here on the podcast and give it a read and stuff like that. We'll read. Maybe that's what I'll start doing is curating some of those and giving, a, giving the review reads on here. So, uh, yes. Let me add, let me just add to that. Sometimes experiencing firsthand is definitely the right way to do things, by the way, because uh, sometimes that's going to be the only truthful experience that you have. And I find uh, a lot of things that I was taught are one way. Turns out, in fact, they really are not. And I'm glad that I made the choice to not just believe what everybody else said on those. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not leaning one way or the other on that. I'm just saying, um, you know, use your best decision-making skills and, and uh, if you think you need to experience it or maybe you don't even have a choice. Uh, but think of it, a lot of stuff that you learn, if you can learn from other people's experiences and incorporate all of it together, dude, think how much you can learn. What amalgamation. Yeah, learning from your own firsthand experience is great. Like it does really can be beneficial and stuff like that. But like, also, but if you yeah, if you want to cognizant of it too, and you're being like, hey, I saw that person do this, and that's probably not the best case the route to take on there. You're kind of almost learning from your own experience because you're experiencing seeing that person and learning from it too. So, kind of balances out in a way. Or um, it's things that you're just not really that into. You know what I mean? If uh, people want to talk to me about uh i don't know about uh how much fun uh biker week is at daytona cool bro i'm i'm you know i'm good you know that's exactly you know, I, i'm gonna go by with your experience it sounds like it was really fun and whatever you said it sounds loud <laughs> you know, i don't want to go experience that have you ever experienced a biker week rob like that like uh, in the same town at the same time i, I don't think so no Oh, but, I, but, I, but I'm not sure because there's a there's a show nasty Ronnie, and uh, and I'm in the and I'm on the video, but I don't know if it's Biker Week or leading up to Biker Week. So I, I guess uh, this just like how did this just get sent to me recently? Oh, I know my friend in Amsterdam sent it. Yeah, there. I, I guess one time I was 
there when it was i don't think it was actually biker week but i think it was coming or something and there was a lot of bikers around but yeah it's you know but i don't know i just i didn't want to uh say you know whatever you know like uh, if you want to talk about um gay anal sex um i don't need to experience that firsthand you know i'll take your word for it your experience right doesn't this, mean you got to dabble. This show's going to get a rep for being homophobic. Oh, I know, right? It's like what she said. <laughs> um, you attended the gay parade last week or a couple weeks ago. So we got it all. Right. Yeah. Well, but, you know, when it comes to uh, marijuana, you know, it's a lot. It's anything. Just anything. Just shut me up. Let's end it. Yeah. Okay. There we go. We'll end it with this one. Somebody chimed in with a super chat here. Said Justin and Jen play slots. Hey Rob, just want to let you know you are my favorite wrestler of all time. Awesome, thanks Justin and Jen play slots. Yes. Appreciate that, dude. Uh, all right, guys. Yeah, and do that, Justin and Jen. You didn't do that? Yeah, I think that works. Possibly, awesome, man. Appreciate that, yo. Yeah, so we just about to uh, end this one and call it a night uh, and call it a week. That's right. Guys, thanks for tuning in. We had uh, the Max. We had like 120 something people in here tuning in at the same time. So, cool, thanks cool. for everybody joining us. It's fun. It's I love doing the live format. And guys, you know what? We'll probably see you here next week on One of the Time with RVD. Enjoyed spending my Thursday evening with you. Yes, always. Cool. Yeah.